occasionally, uh, I will be in the family room watching Netflix, watching a movie, and from two rooms over in the kitchen, I'll hear my wife say, what are you watching? And I'll say what I'm watching. She says, the, the acting is so bad. <laughs> like she can tell from two rooms away without even seeing the television, whether the acting's good or bad, just based on what she's hearing, based on the, the dialogue. And up until that point, I might think it's great. And then I pay closer attention. I'm like, she's right. This acting's not very good. Or this often happens. Uh, I'll be watching a show like The Voice. And somebody's singing. I'm like, man, they're doing a great job. And from the other room, she says, oh, that is so pitchy. With a P, pitchy. I don't even know what pitchy means, but I assume it's not a good thing when you're, you're singing. Uh, the reason Karen will make those observations is not because she's just more critical than me. Uh, it's because she's more discriminating. It's because she's trained. She's a, a trained vocalist, and she's done a lot of acting, and so she's got an eye and an ear for those things, and she notices things that, that I just don't even notice. So who better to judge, say, good music? than a, a maestro and who better to judge good uh, workmanship uh, than a master carpenter who better to judge what a, a good glass of wine is from a connoisseur uh, i used to work at a, a fancy restaurant and and we served all of these wines and we had to learn how to describe the wine that we were serving and i mean we were using words like oaky and, and plum, no, notes of plum, and I had no clue what any of that was. But someone who knows wine would know exactly what those things are. So when it comes to godliness, what does it mean to be godly? Uh, a man or a woman after God's own heart, who is best equipped to, to teach us, to show us what that means the kids got it absolutely correct. God. Like God is best positioned to share with us, this is what godliness is, and this is what godliness is not. And so this morning, we're continuing our sermon series through the, the book of Mark, and we're coming to two passages where this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's teaching a crowd, and then later he's teaching his disciples about what godliness is, and what godliness is not, so that we can become a little more discriminating. We can notice the things that maybe we don't notice all the time. Join me as we pray for the reading of God's word. Lord, we recognize that apart from your spirit, we are left walking in the darkness. So we ask that you would turn the light on in our hearts and in our minds. Show us your ways, O Lord. Teach us your paths. Guide us in your truth, for you are God, our Savior, and our hope is in you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray this in the power of your name. Amen. 
If your Bibles are open, turn to Mark chapter 12, and we're going to pick up the story at verse 37. Mark chapter 12, verse 37. And I'm going to begin with just one verse here. Jesus is teaching a, a large crowd, and it says this, The large crowd listened to him with delight. That is such a great sentence. The large crowd listened to him with delight. We were praying this morning over Psalm 1 in our, our and pray service, and Psalm 1 says, Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord, and on his word they meditate day and night. Here is this crowd, and they're listening to Jesus teach, and they are delighting in it. Why were they delighting in it? Is it because he's such a, a gifted communicator? Yes, that's part of the answer. It's because of Jesus' charisma. I mean, he had amazing charisma, yes. Is it was because he taught as one with authority? Yes. But I think one of the other reasons is because there's something that, that God's word just resonates deep in our soul. It's like deep calls out to, to deep. And when we hear God's word, there's something within us that stirs. There's something within us that kind of lights up, that, that God has planted there, and we recognize this is, this is truth. This is life. It's like drinking a, a cup of cold water when you're just parched, delighting in the word of God. And so here are these people, and they are hanging on his every word, delighting as he teaches. And so this is what he teaches. As he taught, the scripture says, he said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses. And for a show, they make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Now, I can't help but think that as Jesus was teaching that, there was probably a teacher of the law or two in that crowd. And things had to be getting very uncomfortable for them. Watch out, Jesus said. Watch out. These are words that are meant to carry a, a sense of urgency. There's kind of a, a note of alarm. These are words that warrant an exclamation point. Watch out. I was trying to think of an example, and, and I was thinking of if, if you're driving in a car, 65 miles an hour, and about 100 yards up ahead of you, a deer meanders onto the road, but you don't see it. Your passenger sees it. Do you want them to say to you, let's say it's your spouse, do you want them to say to you, um, honey... Uh, I just saw a deer walk out onto the road and some quick calculations, your speed and the distance, tell me that if you don't swerve or stop in the next second and a half, there's going to be a collision. And, and I think it'd be really good for you to, to hit the brake right about now. Do you want them to say that? No. I want them to say, watch out! And my brain's going to figure out the rest. Watch out. It's this, this sense of urgency. Be careful. Be on your guard, because if you're not, 
there's going to be a collision. Something's going to happen. Watch out. So Jesus, who is uniquely qualified to discern what is godliness and what is not godliness, is telling this large crowd to, to watch out for the teachers of the law. Now, the scripture doesn't say this, but I believe that this probably doesn't describe every teacher of the law. He's saying, watch out for the teachers of the law who do this, this, and this. And, and I can't imagine that's like every single teacher, teacher of the law. That would be like saying every single politician is corrupt. Many are. But is every single one corrupt? Probably not. Every lawyer is a liar. Some are, but some aren't. Every pastor, we've got to make this personal, every pastor is a hypocrite. I mean, on some level, yes. Some are, some aren't, which is why Jesus said, watch out. If every religious leader was a wolf in sheep's clothing, then he wouldn't have to say, watch out. He'd just say, have nothing to do with them. Like, you don't even need to discriminate one from another. Just stay away from all of the religious leaders. So what was it that they should be watching out for? Jesus gives some, some signs. These are the things that I want you to be watching out for. Watch out for the ones who seem to be concern, consumed by their own glory. It's all about their own glory. They're not trying to glorify God. It seems like they're really trying to, to shine the spotlight on themselves and they're they're doing it under the disguise of their own religiosity. They're, using, they're actually using God to draw glory to themselves. Watch out for those. They like to wear these long flowing robes that identify them, set them apart as teachers of the law, and they, they love the notoriety that they get as they stroll through town in their, their long robes. They love the respect and the deference that is shown to them. When they arrive in the synagogue, they go straight to the most important seat, just assuming that that's the one that, that belongs to them. They show up at a banquet. They go to the, the head of the table, to the place of honor. How different that behavior is from Jesus, who said, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Their approach is just the opposite. We've come not to serve, but to be served. Serve us. Honor us. Defer to us. Show us honor and, and the respect that we deserve. If, if someone shows up with an attitude of, uh, I expect to be served, not to serve, that is a huge tell. That is a huge tell that this is not the real deal. This is not genuine godliness. It doesn't matter what their title is. It doesn't matter how many degrees they have. It doesn't matter how much scripture they've memorized. If they show up as a person who has an aversion to, to serving, watch out. Be careful. Genuine godliness is not preoccupied with one's own glory, but the glory of God. Genuine godliness is a godliness that serves. Genuine godliness is a godliness that is quietly humble. 
quietly humble. Watch out for these religious leaders who are narcissists. It is epidemic. I remember when I was in seminary, one of our, our counselors shared the, the percentage of pastors who are narcissists, and it's off the charts. Watch out for the, the, the religious leaders who are, are narcissists, who, are who have these inflated egos. Their egos are so inflated that somehow in their mind, they justify taking advantage of the most vulnerable. They devour widows' houses. They exploit the most vulnerable. They're, they're greedy. They, they, they just think that they have a right to acquire these things, and, and they take advantage of people. Watch out for the teachers who seem like they're performing for the applause of man rather than the applause of God. They're often showy, Jesus said. They, they perform these long prayers thinking that their prayer is going to impress people. More concerned about the appearance of a thing than the reality of a thing. Watch out. And so, what do you suppose is the possible collision that would take place if we're not watching out? What is it that, that, that would happen if, if we fail to discriminate like Jesus is telling us to discriminate? What's at stake? We just came through Reformation Sunday a, a couple Sundays back, and, and it's a great example of what happens when the, the church stops watching out. When we fail to discriminate what is godliness and what is not godliness, the, the church leadership at the time was, was abusive. They were exploiting people. They had this idea that they, they promoted, and, and to many poor people, that your loved one right now who died, they're in purgatory. They're in this place between heaven and hell. And if you just make a donation to the church your loved one will spring out of purgatory and will go to heaven. This is what they're teaching. They had the, this little slogan, the moment a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Now we all hear that and think, oh, come on. They should have known. Obviously that's not from God, but it deceived everybody. And can you imagine all the people who are just struggling to survive and they're told, if I just give this donation, my loved one will go to heaven? What won't you give? And so what did God do? He raised up some people who were more discriminating. Some people who were able to watch out. People who read the scriptures and were able to say, wait a second. This is not right. What the church is teaching is, is not right. And so they, they protested. And because they did, the church reformed itself. And this isn't, we don't have to just go 500 years back to see this. This is always with us. People who are trying to use religion for their own ends. And so we need to be vigilant. We need to be watching out. So Jesus knew that, knows that we're easily deceived about what is the re real deal and what's not the real, real deal. And so he gives us these signs to look out for. So now there's another lesson that's about to take place. Jesus has been with the crowds, and now he removes himself. And, and that's where we pick the story back up. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. I want to stop there and just consider that 
for a second with you. In your mind, enter into the, the temple, and there against the wall are the, the offering uh, receptacles. And Jesus puts his chair right across from it, sits down and watches. Watches as people come and, and put in varying degrees of money. Today, we would consider that behavior pretty offensive. Like, imagine if we were passing the, the offering plate down the row, and, and you're preparing to put your offering in, and the person behind you leans over your shoulder and wants to see what it is that you're placing in the offering plate. Or you're doing the text to give, and you're texting on your phone how much you want to give, and the person behind you leans over your shoulder to see what is the amount that you're giving today. We would find that very offensive. We believe that, that giving is, is between God and, and us. Ultimately, we are all accountable before God for what we give. And so Jesus puts his chair down and just starts observing as people come and, and place their offerings into the, the, the temple treasury. Giving, God's word says, is one of the few areas where God says, test me. Test me in this. Test me by, by what you give and see if I will not keep my promises. There are so many promises that God has made to us about giving. I want to share just a few with you. Proverbs 11.25 says this, a generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Luke 16.10 says this, Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Acts, it says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said again in Luke, he said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, so it will be measured to you. All of these promises indicate that we can't outgive our giving God. The giving God, remember, who loves to, to, to pour out his love upon us, who, who loves to shower us with his blessing. We cannot outgive our giving God. So is that the only reason we give? Because we know that if we do, we're going to receive? It's one of the reasons certainly not the only reason. One of the reasons we give is because we know it's good for our own heart. God's word says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so every single time we give of ourselves, it's like a chain-breaking act in our heart that says, I will not be held captive by the deceitfulness of wealth. I refuse to be held captive by the deceitfulness of wealth. Every time we give, we're making a declaration that we will not be ruled by the love of money, which the scripture says is the root of all evil. Giving is an act of faith in which we literally put our money where our mouth is. It's easy to say, I, I believe. It's easy to say, this is important to me. You say that God is faithful. You say that God is your provider. You say that you, you trust him. Giving is, is an act that demonstrates what you are saying. 
what you truly believe or don't believe. Giving is an expression of gratitude. Giving back a portion of what God has entrusted to us is a way of saying, thank you, God. Thank you. We also give because we're part of something bigger than ourselves. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which means he doesn't need your gift to accomplish his purposes. God doesn't need any of our, our gifts to accomplish what he wants to do in this world, but God has ordained to use our gifts. He could accomplish his purposes any number of ways, but he's decided, I'm going to use the gifts of my people to accomplish my work. And this is with everything. If God wants to reach a person in the community, who do you think he's going to use? He's going to use his people. We have people right now serving down with our, our kids. God wants the, the faith to be passed on to the next generation. How does he do that? He uses us to pass the faith on to the, the next generation. It's by using our gifts that, that God advances his ministry, his, his kingdom work in our community. So there Jesus is. He's watching the crowd put money in the offering plate he draws his disciples to him, and he makes a couple observations. Jesus was sitting watching the crowd. He called his disciples to him. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling the disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything that she had to live on. First thing I, I want you to notice is that Jesus is not condemning rich people. This is not Jesus condemning rich people. He's not saying that, that rich people are bad and poor people are, are good, Jesus is highlighting not the amount of money that's being placed into the offering, but the amount of sacrifice that's being placed into the offering. We sacrifice for the things that matter to us. Right? We sacrifice for the things that matter to us. If we wanted to know what is important to one another, we could spend a week uh, with each other and notice the things that we make sacrifices for. And, and pretty clearly, we would be able to say, this is what's important to this person. And this is what's not important. Last weekend, uh, Karen was at Midway Airport. She was in the city, and she said she saw a youth hockey team get off the, the airplane. They had flown into Chicago for a, a hockey um, you know, tournament, I'm, I'm assuming. And he was just thinking about the level of sacrifice that these parents are making for their children. Like investing in plane tickets and hotel rooms and spending lots of money so that their children can play hockey. I grew up playing hockey and I think back to the investment my parents made. Tremendous investment. And why do they do it? Well, they love their kids. And presumably their kids love hockey and so this is an investment they're blessing their, their children. I think of a, a community like ours, a small community, Fulton, 
is dependent upon the sacrifices of a whole lot of volunteers. Our community prospers or suffers based on how important the community is to the residents and how willing residents are to make sacrifices for it. One of the reasons Fulton has been such a nice place to live is because the great number of people who make lots of sacrifices so that we can have a nice community. Friday was Veterans Day. We think about all of our veterans. As Americans, we honor our veterans, and it is right for us to do so because we recognize that many of the blessings that we enjoy is because of their sacrifice. And so we, we honor their sacrifice. Now, I don't need to belabor the point. You get it. We sacrifice for the things that we love. And so Jesus noticed all of these people bringing their offerings, some giving out of their abundance, some giving sacrificially. The size of their gift, some big, some small, is revealing the measure of their, their heart. Godliness does not look like giving out of your abundance. Godliness does not look like giving out of your abundance. Godliness looks like giving sacrificially. It looks like the widow, someone who's all in. Having just read the previous passage, the religious leaders devour the widow's houses, you can't help but wonder, why does this poor woman only have two little coins left? I think the implication is this is a woman who's been exploited by the church. I mean, just imagine that the, the religious leaders have exploited this woman, and now here she is with two coins left, and what does she do? She gives them to God. That the temple should be caring for her, should be providing for her in this time of need, and, and here she is being taken advantage of, and she gives her very last two coins to God. I want to uh, close with this thought, um, practically for us. Next Sunday, we'll be presenting a budget to you, a budget of what we're proposing that uh, we'll spend in 2023. Uh, this last consistory meeting for us was very difficult as we wrestled through with the budget because the reality is that is our giving is not going to support what we had wanted to budget. And so we've recognized we need to alter our budget. And so there are things next year that we won't be able to do that we had hoped to do, things that will will be funding less. All of that is to say our giving matters. It really does matter, our sacrificial giving. Jesus said this is what godliness is, giving sacrificially, not just out of our abundance, but giving sacrificially. Join me as we pray. Lord, uh, help us become more discriminating. Lord, help us uh, not be taken advantage of or, or deceived by what has a, a veneer of godliness. Uh, help us see it in others, but help us also see it in ourselves, Lord. Um, and we pray that you would, as your word promises, show us your ways, teach us your paths, guide us in your truth so that we can, can we stay on the right path, uh, fully trusting you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.